Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're watching Season 6, Episode uh, 3, Afterlife. Make sure to subscribe to hear all the Buffy content and give us a rating. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John, and we have a special guest today, David Yoder. Hello. All right. Why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourself from uh, how likely you think you are to get out of heaven. Get out of it. Uh, my name is Travis, and I'm very likely to get out of heaven because I don't believe in heaven. Ooh, good answer, Travis. I should have thought of that. My name's John. Uh, yeah, I'm second most likely to get kicked out of heaven because I think I am the average amount of likelihood. So I'll just be in the middle. You just got to find the stairway, then you can get out of heaven, right? There we go. <laughs> My name's Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to season six, episode three, and I'm probably somewhat likely to get kicked out of heaven. I've only attended Catholic school for two years. Barely, barely enough. Well, <laughs> may you all be in heaven for half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Um, all right, we are going to do uh, season uh, six, episode three, as you guys know by now. But first, we're going to do reactions to season five, episode 18, Intervention. Uh, and we only have one reaction for this week. And uh, John, why don't you read it? Audience Reactions. Ah, okay, so Silver Spike uh, quotes us. It's a trigger now, and I'm not okay with this. Oh, boo-hoo, says Silver Spike. Some of us loved it then and still love it to this day. Lol, sorry. Don't mean to sound rude, but some of you come across as such bloody killjoys sometimes. Look. Uh, sorry. Look, we get it. You hate the character. Smiley face. How on earth are you going to, are you lot going to survive season six and season seven? Uh, we're about to find out, I guess. Oh, sorry. He he continues. Uh, she kisses Spike, which I see as gross. He's quoting me there. Or she. We don't know. Silver Spike's quoting me there. Uh, oh, good grief. You do get that this is a fantasy show and not a guide on how to run one's life. All right. Well, thank you, Silver Spike. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do uh, the summary for this up. The Summary Giles has left town. Spike is left out of the plan to revive Buffy with magic, which has a few consequences. They brought something else back with her. A possession demon that can't be killed unless Buffy is killed. Well, until Tara and Willow cast a spell that gives it a form that can be chopped up with an axe. With that taken care of, Buffy thanks her friends for bringing her back from hell, but tells Spike the truth. She was happier being dead. Ha ha ha. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's do great lines. Great lines. Starting with, uh, why don't we start with you, David Yoder? 
Okay. Uh, I had a couple Anya lines because I think she had all the best lines, in my opinion, this episode. Um, jet lag from hell has got to be, you know, jet lag from hell. <laughs> uh, and I also uh, sympathize with that line because I had some jet lag coming in to visit Dennis here. Um, and then my favorite line from the episode, uh, well, maybe you are going crazy from hell. <laughs> Which I think hell would make you go crazy. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, my favorite line was also Anya, where uh, she says, fire is so rarely a sign of imminent safety. <laughs> <laughs> I had a kitchen fire yesterday uh, for about oh, uh, 30 seconds uh, right before I watched this episode. So that, that, that line really spoke to me. Everything's okay. Nothing's on fire. Oh, but, um, I'm glad, John. We had a fondue accident. Did you yell fire, fire as you were putting it out like Xander does in the episode? I didn't, but that, my, that was, my reaction was about as coordinated as Xander's. I, the, the fire occurred because a little bit of the alcohol from the fondue burner like spilled on the table and then ignited. And it wasn't oh, that wow. big a deal. But then I tried to put it out with the paper towel I had previously used to clean up spilled alcohol. <laughs> and then immediately turned into a giant fireball, which I threw on the floor, which uh, was now a fireball on the floor. Uh, thankfully, nice. my partner, uh, Harriet, uh, was there with a bucket of water <laughs> immediately. So, whew. All, all I'm picking up from the story is that you had fondue, which is like now burning a hole in my brain because I have yeah. all these fondue follow-up questions, but it's going to have to wait, I guess. Do you fondue? I fondue. I do. I fondue you. <laughs> you fondue? No can do. <laughs> uh, that's really funny because also like I've lived with you, uh, John. We almost had an apartment fire. Yes, I almost burned down the apartment. Uh, yeah, when I lived with you, Dennis. That's true. Uh I think we've told that story on this podcast, so we don't need to tell yeah. it again. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we'll move to my great lines. Um, I chose uh, another Anya one, um, which I just really cr- cracked me up. Buffy likes pizza. And then uh, a he- the heavier line from the end, the kind of big reveal, the, I don't understand theology or dimensions or any of it, really. But I think I was in heaven, and now I'm not. I was torn out of there, pulled out. Pulled out by my friends. Everything is here is hard and bright and violent. Everything I feel, everything I touch, this is hell. Just getting through the next moment and the one after that, knowing what I've lost, they can never know. Never. Heavy. So good. Amazing. Oh, so good. Um, this is why I love season six. Season six is so great. Um, I love what Dawn said to Buffy. She's cleaning her up with a little uh, uh, a towel. And she goes, there you are. I knew you were under the dirt somewhere. Which is great. Great symbolism because she was literally under dirt. And now she's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, that's why I love the line. I know you guys didn't understand why I love the line that much. But yes, I love that. In your face, hitting you with a, uh, with a mallet. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was because of the, like... Role reversal of like Don momming Buffy. Oh no, it was a whole play in her being buried. All right. Which is great. But the, I also have a mirror thing that I, I talk about later about that. Uh, my great, great line was uh, with from Anya, where she's coming back in with uh, coffee. I found one of those 24 hour places for coffee. Remember that bookstore? Well, they became one of those books and coffee places, and now they're just coffee. It's like evolution without the getting better part. <laughs> So good. 
This then, is so self-aware in 2001. Mm-hmm. And then she's going, coffee, coffee, hot chocolate for Don. You're too young for coffee. And then Don, fully possessed, idiots. And he says, <laughs> you can have my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's uh, good stuff. All right, let's do the kill count. The kill count. I'm counting three possessions. One new life is created, which is then decapitated. Uh, So it's a net zero for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Well, I I just can't believe how Tara like instantly thinks, what if Buffy is not herself or she's dangerous? Like immediately that's where mine goes. I mean, you know, you have to own up and be like, yeah, the spell we did was not good. If the first thought is, oh gosh, what if Buffy's dangerous? What if she's going to kill me or her or blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, also like Tara's not like center circle of the Scoobies, although she wasn't on the spell, but it's like, she doesn't always have Buffy's back, which is cool. It's cool to have a character like that, but. I always have Buffy's back. So, so Dawn's kind of having to show Buffy like how to be human when she comes back. I just found that interesting because like just last season, Dawn was really struggling with her own humanity and like what that meant and everything. So, yeah, I liked that scene a lot because it felt so much to me like I could feel that feeling of like being suddenly she's in that caregiver role and like. I definitely knew that feeling of like having to walk somebody around their own house and it's like, do they recognize it or not? Uh, it was pretty like emotionally brutal, even if it was like short. That whole scene in the house is great because, you know, so much has changed to the place. So you you really feel Buffy's perspective like, oh, hey, yeah. So Tara and Willa live here now. <laughs> it's just the whole thing is like completely topsy-turvy. You know, the whole world's inverted. It totally yeah. spoke to me like how it felt from coming back to you know home from college when you visit your house sure because i have a younger sister and so she you know the rooms get moved around and you're like okay this is fine i don't i'm not here really so. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I have two theories with this buffy and don there were two things that that had an immediate reaction when buffy and don were looking in the mirror and she's helped cleaning buffy up first was i remembered back to the 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 soul switching or the body switching episode with um Buffy and Faith, where Buffy's like in front of the mirror and she's making all the funny faces and stuff like that. Because like that's like a, a mirror heavy like vision of Buffy. And then, of course, my thought was Buffy's going to look in the mirror to see if she has a reflection. Although I think she was outside in daylight, so it doesn't really hold up. But come on, if you're Buffy, you want to make sure you got a reflection. OK, yeah. We, well, we know from uh, that season one nightmare episode that that's one of her nightmares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I really enjoyed the scene where Spike kind of confronts Xanya, you know, Xander Anya about, you know, not being included in the resurrection, you know, information, like not knowing that was going on. He's like, I fought with you all summer. I mean, it's such like a emotionally like raw moment because it's such a big deal for Spike. I mean, it's such a big deal for Giles. I mean, the people that are like principally, I think the most affected by, I mean, not including, I guess Dawn doesn't include it either, right? So it's just like... Yeah. People who are the most impacted by Buffy's resurrection can't be involved in the resurrection because they might prevent it from happening, <laughs> right? Because uh, they're they're reasonable. 
but uh, I like Spike's Spike's rage here. Is just feels really true, and it's such a great scene. And then he just takes off. He's like, "Magic's got consequences." I mean, it's just a dynamite scene. Uh, can't wait to see how that pays off, even more than just this episode. How yeah. long do you think Spe- he's going to keep that motorcycle? Oh, <laughs> whoa! Is that going to be a? Um, okay, yeah, like uh, three more episodes. <laughs> Uh, so it's just, it, I feel, Zand- I feel, uh, speaking of this episode, I feel, uh, Giles's absence. Just, it's weird to, like, see Anya, or see Willow's description of talking to Giles instead of seeing the call. I'm fine with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we see Spike's lair, and he's moved in some new furniture, as is called out in the episode. Um, but I, I really noticed there's, like, this red chair that, like, looks like a 70s like dentist chair is it was interesting yeah Um, i went back and found it there's a screenshot now in the dock down if you scroll down uh all right let's look at it it's uh it's pretty intense i feel like it it might be part of somebody's like uh dr kink dungeon (laughs) you just say that because it's spike well yeah it's also they're literally in a dungeon (laughs) (laughs) yeah so how does buffy know that willow killed a fawn i feel like that's heavily like or is it just this this is it, are we talking about the the spirit of Buffy, you know like i just i feel like there's this awesome accusatory moment that's happening you know semi accusatory moment and like how does she know it's the demon uh, yeah. that knows yeah because right, it's, it's the... not really buffy but yeah i liked that line a lot i almost pulled that as my great line so wait so you're saying it's just because it's the possession i mean i guess i wrote it down as the episode was happening cuz the possession hadn't been explained but because the possession is literally its own spirit it doesn't have access to people's information it, li- it literally has to learn things through people i mean that's a i know the possession thing's kind of weird yeah and i don't think that's even really buffy i mean i don't think that's even her being possessed i think that's the ghost making the shape of buffy yeah they okay. kind of say that in the episode okay well maybe we can talk more about how this monster works because i i think it was a little confusing okay uh, just some fun stuff here. Uh, so Willow has her computer station set up on the dining room table, which says a lot about Willow, I think. But uh, just for people who might be geeking out on it, uh, I'm pretty sure I know what all her gear is there. She's got a uh, an iBook G3 Snow. That's this, like the second or third version of the iBook. Like after the iBook was uh, orange and blue colored, that was the first white one. And uh, she's also got a zip drive and a big stack of zip disks. Remember zip disks, everybody? I remember using those in college. Yeah. So she's got yeah. a lot of storage information. Yeah, it's a stack. Is it? Well, zip disks, I, I believe these are zip 100, so they're only 100 megabytes each, which at the time seemed like a lot. Why would you need more than 100 megabytes for anything? <laughs> I don't know what she's got on there. If uh, this is 2001, maybe some like rare squirrel nut zippers MP3s that she's putting on 1.1 megabytes? <laughs> I remember having some uh, some of my like uh, my senior thesis on a zip drive because it was like a 68 megabyte file, you know, and uh, it was like the easiest way to keep keep files and pictures and figures and all that. Um, back in the day, when you didn't have a USB drive, um, I also I can't be the only one who likes to work at their dining room table. Like I like like adults like working. It feels like adults like working in rooms. I don't know, like that aren't just like 
tiny cubicles. I don't know, I, but I'm so I totally like to work at my dining room table. That's what I'm saying. I just I'm fine with working at dining room tables. It's just the uh, Willows took lost no time in taking over the summer's household is my more my concern she's just like uh, really yeah. marking out her territory apparently half the dining room table is now her workspace and that she gets the bedroom i don't know just feels a little presumptuous yeah, in, feel- in my family we call that spreading out and it's uh what family members do when they visit uh, <laughs> <laughs> i feel kind of like buffy because i i've uh i haven't watched more recent episodes so just like jumping into this one and to see, like, yeah, like, how much Willow and Tara have, like, taken over the house and stuff. Oh, my God. This house is missing the cat. Where'd the cat go? The kitty. <gasps> kitty Fantastico. Where is yeah, Kitty Fantastico? Where is kitty that would have been hilarious if they looked in that room and that cat was sleeping on that laptop like cats do. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Kitty Fantastico. There's no Amy the Rat. Yeah, we yeah Where is Amy, Amy the Rat? Yeah, presumably Amy the Rat is somewhere in the house with the rest of Willow and Tara's stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It just stored um, her in the basement. As long as we're doing uh, screenshots, uh, I just want to call out uh, Anya's like full-on 50s man pajamas that she's wearing, which are really great. And uh, Xander's uh, novelty translucent telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, He's living his life, man. He's got all his toys. Yeah, I like the cars or trucks. <laughs> yep. We've talked about the his like weird toy car collection before. Um, and then also... Uh, Apparently Willow is wearing like an Elmo skin sweater. <laughs> yeah, that was what I said when we watched it. I was like, she killed a Muppet. Back to Xander for one moment. What do you think about placing a phone right by your bed, like where you sleep at night? That's where I'm your phones used it. to go. Don't you remember yeah. phones? They're, no. They used to be on your, your, um, your uh, bedroom table, side table. Wow. They still are. They're just cell phones. Right. I charge no, we... my phone in a separate room. Yeah, I do. that's so good. I can, now. So I can annoy my guests when the alarm goes off. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, I've been up before that alarm has gone off. I think each day, so it's fine. I sleep with the phone literally in my bed, like it's not on some table. It's literally next to me. You know, oh, giving for me warmth. cancer, giving me cancer. I just, I just <laughs> soak up that EMF. <laughs> I feel like part of me is still on Eastern time from the whole trip. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I also think, I don't know what commentary this is that Xander can ignore Anya's. I mean, it's like a real male, like, like uh, alpha male, like uh, commentary where he just ignores. He can sleep through an Anya's voice of this woman he loves. But the moment the telephone rings, oh, that's business. Like, you know, I mean, the telephone up, is a like, lot louder. Anya wasn't like yelling at him. She was... Anya was quite loud and it was I, like persistent. I was more imagining this is something that happens quite often. Where, like, maybe Xander is asleep and Anya's just having a conversation and, like, testing to see, like, are you asleep? <laughs> What's going on? Like, yeah. Uh, when Anya does get possessed, there's that one shot of her face really close and she's carving at her face. Her eyes are all white. And, like, that's a, like, direct image from, like, the first Evil Dead from uh, Ash's girlfriend, Linda, when she dies and comes back. Hmm. Yeah, nice that was call. pretty yeah. creepy. That's totally what they're doing. Great, I- great one, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, John? Uh, I'm just curious. Anya talks about the... Uh, Mike had it as, as a good line that... Uh, you know, she talks about the bookstore that turns into a bookstore coffee shop, and then it's just a coffee shop. I'm wondering if she means book stew, which is the uh, the bookstore right next to the magic box uh, that we've seen every exterior shot of the magic box. A lot of the time, if they panned over just enough, you can see they're right next door to a bookstore. 
So, Maybe they got looted and all their books got burned, and that's why they're just a coffee shop now. That's possible. Yeah, those uh, those demons did love to burn those books. It's a quick recovery. That was literally the like yesterday. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like they're serving that. And they've already changed hot. their whole business model. They're keeping that coffee hot on like the, the coals of burned books, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to respond to changing market conditions fast in the bookstore industry. <laughs> Riding hordes, want to destroy our books? Done. We're done with books. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> um, I during the research scene, there's this kind of clever thing that the camera does where it doesn't show Buffy until she talks. And it, I think it, to me, it feels like everybody in that room forgot she was there because they're so used to her being dead, and because she's so different now, and like, like it's almost like startling that she's in that scene. So I really like that. Uh, I think we can all agree that the best thing when you're not in a good mood is your friend saying, you should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? Totally. Yeah. Man, Willow is coming off rough in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I kind of hinted at it already in my great line, which was where uh, Dawn is breathing fire. You know, she goes into that whatever she gets possessed i like i was literally thinking how much that should hurt and of course they deal with that immediately afterwards which was fantastic by talking about how that must have hurt her throat yeah <laughs> but uh, i love that possession yeah it looks so good because um i think it's just a it's like a real flamethrower in the scene like right behind her because like that flame is so is real you know it's not a cg flame which we which you would notice these days you know yeah it was a great so. effect but it again, it it gets really confusing what this possession can do. So I mean, if we want to, we can talk about it in a minute. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that uh, demon or spirit or whatever it is, uh, I, I referred to it as a Bugs Bunny spirit because that seems to be how it likes to travel under the floorboards and in the wall and stuff. It's like you know, like a little mound that's like expected to pop up and be like. Shouldn't have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> I like uh, Anya's statement there is like, uh, evil things have plans. They have things to do. <laughs> I just really like this. Like in the Buffy verse, it's like evil things work hard. Like they have a work ethic, man. <laughs> They're not just slacking. So what's going on with this demon, David? Oh, okay. Well, uh, and this is kind of, I guess, tipping to what the reveal is later on, but I was part of the quotes that, uh, it's like, is this a demon from hell? Is this a heavenly creature? Like, cause Buffy admits that she was actually in heaven or that's what she thinks. Um, or is it something else? Like, uh, when, she, when it takes the form of Buffy and it's like yelling at, uh, Don or not Don, God damn it. Terry uh, Willow, Willow, yeah. Willow and Tara that like, I feel like it was really like projecting maybe Buffy's own feelings though, of like the anger and hostility that she felt towards her friends for doing this. Hmm. Right. Cause it calls them children. I mean, it's like super mm-hmm. spot on accurate. Like it was so spot on. It was kind of shocking that the show is actually going to deal with that, that level of scrutiny over Tara and Willow's actions. I mean, I, I love it. Um, but yeah, it's accusatory and also like that they're playing around with these forces they don't really understand. Right. Like we could we could get into the transcript of it, but like it's 
it's so direct and intense. So it has to have knowledge of that stuff to really get in their head. So that made me think it was some kind of, initially I'm like, oh, this is some kind of fear monster. <laughs> this is literally their greatest fears because it's kind of inside their head. They even think it's a dream because it's so specific. Yeah. But oh, then, I liked that line also we forgot of uh, them being dream. No, different brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But then later it doesn't seem to know anything, right? It's more confused about where where people are going or what's going on. Hmm. Yeah, it actually learns less. It actually learns information from them. Yeah, when Xander gets taken over, he's like, "Thanks for the info," or like, or whatever, and like, then leaves. Yeah, and so it's giving a tell that it's even present, which it, it seems dumb for a <laughs> a monster to do. It's a newborn. <laughs> yeah, it's got limit. Maybe yeah, that's it's it's newly created. Maybe it's just figuring out what it can do as well. Like when it took over Dawn, maybe it's like, can I breathe fire? Let's find out. And like, <laughs> it. yeah, okay. I mean, I think the the in episode answer to what this thing is is it's a new being that they created as the consequence to the spell, um, and it just happens to resemble a ghost, uh, even though it's a ghost of nothing, which I think is an interesting idea. I'd like to see more of that. Um, mm-hmm. But then their problem is if they kill it, it, Buffy will die because, or the only way to kill it is to kill, like undo the resurrection, but then they kill it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, again, like in episode, the thing is like, they can't erase it through magic because that erases the spell, but it like physically, but it physically is killed when it takes a corporeal form. Um, Yeah, I think like, thank you, Dr. Dennis. I was confused about how that was possible. (laughs) Demon, demon, Doctor Dennis. Let's let's be completely clear. Did they? Did they it's say, a PhD. It's not an MD. Just a. Did they say? Isn't the fear that like it's going to possess Buffy though, or is that? Uh, no, it wants to kill Buffy to switch. Uh, oh, okay. A life for a life or whatever. Um. But it's. I also really like that fight scene of like this thing of trying to fight something that can punch you, but you can't punch it. Mm-hmm. It's like such cheating, man. <laughs> and like that Buffy just happens because she's Buffy. She just like happens to have an ax under her bed. She can use. <laughs> also, she doesn't give up trying to like hit it physically. Like <laughs> there's no, no point. She's like, that didn't work this time. So I'll stop. It's like, nope, this will eventually work. Punching always works. And I will say, like, I think even though the demon or whatever it is, like, is inconsistent about how much it knows throughout the episode, like you guys called out. It's always, it is pretty consistent about being able to like read people. Like while it's beating up Buffy, it's saying super harsh stuff to her. The thing of like, you're like a bubble or like you're, you're here on earth as a bubble. Like whatever that line was, it was like, I don't know. It was super good to me. Oh, that that's interesting, Dennis. So I think, I think you're right. Cause it's, it's smart about reading what the, the concerns are in the scene. Uh, it's like a good writer. It knows what's going on in the scene and what could be the most painful thing to say then, but it has no memory of anything that it said. It's like doesn't have consciousness. Yeah. Okay, is this a late... This, this monster's going to come back. You guys are being very cagey. All right, I'm excited about that. I can't remember. Did the mo- the monster reveal the whole the whole fawn, like heart and blood? Did, did uh, she... Did... She says it, but like then Willow's the only one in the room who understands what it is, and she pretty much denies it. Oh, okay. Right? Like Tara's like, remember. do you know what that means? And I was just like, well, I understand the words. But oh, okay. Not how I can remember what happened. Form okay. Sentences. 
So yeah, she's still holding out on that info. Moving on to the other part of the episode that's fantastic uh, is when Buffy's thanking uh, everyone, thanking the gang for being revived. That felt great. I feel like that's the relief the gang wanted so badly and they got it. And it's such a wonderful scene, but it feels uh, it feels off to the viewer even though, like, I like that these char- the char- the acting's fantastic. Like, everyone's totally yes-anding the energy of Buffy's um, Buffy's thank you. I'm so happy to be back. I mean, I was in hell or whatever. You know, like, she really gets into it. It's so good. And it feels, oh, it's just such a wonderful scene. It has a little bit of falseness to it coming from Sarah Michelle Geller. And I don't know how do you act that stuff, but there's just a little bit of, like, uh, pr- her pretending to do that, which is just so well done. And then it, into that flows so perfectly into that next scene where she's relating to Spike about what, you know, of course he said the lines earlier about it, but about how, you know, she wasn't in hell. She was actually happy, possibly in heaven. And such a wonderful setup for future Buffy-Spike relationship. Now feeling somewhat believable, but man, you had to fucking crawl your way there to make this happen, <laughs> uh, Whedonverse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by pitting her versus the Scooby gang like that with a shared lie with Spike. But it's such a powerful, wonderful episode. But that, man, I don't know. I, I'm still, I, I don't want to be continue to be triggered by Spike. But, you know, he's being dragged along in this show. But now I'm going to really love him for, for uh, what he does now, which is stand up for. Basically, it feels like what's, what's right and what's true versus mm-hmm. the Scooby gang is happy to be lied to. Yeah. Yeah, it really feels like they're living in their delusion now and um, are acting, like, for the be- for being heroes, they're acting out of, like, selfish desires, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, you guys want to move to questions? Questions for the group. Sure, so this happened a couple times in this episode, but essentially it's like, your partner gets possessed. What do you do? So the the Anya Xander scene, that's terrifying on a deep guttural level. Like you're you're the person you're sharing a bed with, spouse or partner, just being possessed. Um, what do you do when that happens? Uh, Probably what Xander get... does, freak out. <laughs> I think you give him coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You hand him a Snickers bar. You're like, you're not quite feeling yourself. You, uh... <laughs> Have they done one of those ads for The Exorcist? <laughs> Linda Blair. <laughs> okay, well, if it's not your partner, your friends get possessed. I mean, what do you do? Mm. Well, I feel like the real answer is, like, you try to keep them from hurting themselves as much as possible and also yourself or anyone else. I mean, like, that's your main concern is, like, my friend or partner is acting differently than normal, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm taking this too real, but like that—that—that's how yeah. I would. Don't yeah. let them have a knife. Yeah, yeah. The real yeah. <laughs> if like this is a metaphor for like any kind of mental health things or something, yeah. like yeah, it's like you just try to protect them from themselves until it goes away. Keep them silly. The magic yeah. answer is I like try to trick the demon out and into a uh, some sort of jar I can hold them in so that I can release them for wishes. <laughs> That's how you make a genie. Yeah, and you wish for more wishes, right? <laughs> I just got to put something really nice they want in the inside a jar. Mm. Cashews. Pizza. Yes. <laughs> Pizza. 
Demons love pizza. Well, if it's an Anya demon, I think you put money in the jar, right? Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, with like a $2 bill, something really classy. Yeah. Um, so this doesn't really necessarily have an answer, but like, why do Willow and everyone else assume Buffy's been in hell? There's like, I mean, it's because it, it's because they need to, but like, right? Story wise, why? Like, there's no reason to assume she'd go to hell, right? I think uh, Mike is the one who's going to have a prediction bashed, right? He's gonna didn't he make a prediction that she wasn't in hell? But I think the the episode, uh, I think they think it just because they the de- they quote the demon dimension was opened and then it was closed with her blood. I think they just assume she's trapped in the demon dimension. Oh, they think but, she went to the to Glory's dimension. But I'm not even sure that's true because then they say the word hell, which is not the demon dimension as they know it. They should have said you're in a you're in the demon dimension, like like so that it's not consistent. So I don't know why they assume it other than for the story. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's for the emotional reason of like yeah. they yeah. need to have been doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. And it's like really wild to me watching the episode how like I think Xander and Willow both directly state like we got you out of hell. You were yeah. in hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like don't gaslight Don't me. Don't you about know where this I've about been. yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like You should be happy now because you're not in hell, which is where you were. Is it because of the portal that she fell into? Yeah, that's what yeah. uh, tra- oh, Travis sorry. was just saying. Sorry, I was yeah. looking at the sheet. My bad. But you're telling me you can kill that many vampires and still go to heaven. Like that's that's a lot of blood on your hands. I don't know. That's just a lot of dust on your hands. <laughs> oh, dust, yeah. Dust I mean, I think it makes sense. Ashes. I mean, because they're literally still in hell since they're on Earth fighting demons every day and f- like for their lives. I mean, it really makes the case that Angel, the television show Angel was making, that when he goes through the hell elevator, elevator, yeah. and then comes back on Bottom Earth, level. where it's like, oh, Earth is hell. Well done, demon. <laughs> Forget you know. I mean, Earth is hell, right? I mean, that's Sunnydale is hell. Whatever, LA is yeah. hell. I mean, yeah, it I, used to just be that school is hell. Now they're just like, everything is hell. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to season six. Everything is hell. We brought you back from hell to a slightly better hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's totally, that's totally what's going on. This seems like a good point to jump to themes and deep stuff. Um, just wanted to uh, love Buffy. I think it was your great line, Dennis, where she's talking about how the reality is is hard and bright and and violent. I think she's like on like a like a Jungian level. She's describing the trauma of being born, <laughs> and the way she describes heaven is very is very wombly. It's like warm, and you know everything's okay, and you're loved, and uh, all that. Um, so I feel like this is totally why babies cry, because Whoa. they're they're all in the Buffy situation where they're just like. They'd I was in heaven. I was in heaven yeah, last week, yeah. <laughs> and uh, now I'm out here with uh, lights and sounds and uh, having to eat with my own mouth. <laughs> and you have to get cleaned up after you poop and stuff. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> well, I feel like we've kind of touched on this, but just like you know, the real reason 
that the Scooby gang brought Buffy back. Um, I don't know. Dennis and I talking about the episode after we watched it is that like, they never really fully went through all the like stages of grief. Even it's like, they never got to acceptance. It's like, they just were like, okay, we need to fix this. Like they were still trying to bargain. And it's, it was just like, it's so, I don't know. Yeah. So selfish that it's like, it's really about just getting things as close to back to the status quo as possible, as opposed to like thinking about what your friend needs or, you know, like, yeah, just accepting and moving on. Yeah, no, totally. I think that that's, that that's, that's the kind of the point I wanted to make was that like the, the, the thing that's really clear in this episode is that all of Buffy's friends, like there's a selfish aspect to the relationship uh, where it's very clear that they, want Buffy to be okay not necessarily just for Buffy's sake but for their own sakes um yeah and there's this thing that they want from her and like that's why I feel like she reaches out to Spike because that's also true about Spike like Spike also is interested in Buffy for like his own like romantic sexual feelings ways that are also really selfish but with Spike at least she doesn't have to pretend that's not the case so like with the Scooby gang she has to keep she has to like she feels the obligation to maintain the pretense that uh, they actually did something for her, uh, and with Spike, she can like she can be honest that like their relationship is predicated on selfishness, and it's not. There's no pretense there. And that's why she says like uh, I can be alone with you. <laughs> Gosh, it's such good acting. That whole yeah. sequence is so good. Yeah. Oh, you know what we totally forgot to mention though is that Spike is hanging out in broad daylight. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> what the he doesn't have an umbrella or like anything. He's just like what? I just well, at least it. they talk about it. They at least like they at it's, least call it. They out. show that little line with the it's shade. Barely. And indirect. like his feet are right there. He's like, whoop, can't leave now. Hope you don't I just mind. Remember the season two episode where Angel was sick for like an entire day because he was in a room with a window. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's. Sorry, he had remember, like radiation poisoning. I mean, also, Angel like, had like the symptoms of radiation. It's overcast. Poisoning. It's okay. It's, it's not like, even overcast. It's, it's not still even bright overcast. out. No, that <laughs> California shade is definitely more sunlight than like walking completely outside here, here yeah. in London. <laughs> oh my God, this show. But, <laughs> you know, roll with the punches. Uh, well, I she's think, not, yeah. She's not going to visit him in his crypt, right? He's got, he's got a. <laughs> Vampires belong in these alleys. And the question of like, how did Z- how did Spike even get there? Like, is there a sewer grade that opened up right there? Yeah, I was imagining sewers, but um... he's constantly low key stalking all the Scooby gangs, so he's just always kind of there. He's found a way to just be on the periphery of their vision at all times. <laughs> um, like we were kind of what we were talking about before, though. Like, I was just thinking that to give the Scooby gang a little bit of like a break. Like if you imagine like, what if one of your best friends was like essentially a superhero that was like constantly like saving you from immense danger and stuff. And like, if they're gone, then it's like, I feel like you're coping like for like things would change quite a bit of like just how to get by with like daily struggles even. Oh yeah, totally. I actually, I, I think like, I don't know, all forms of love have that selfish aspect. I don't think that the, uh, that the Scooby gang is necessarily doing anything wrong here. Like right. it's just really, it's just too Buffy. I think like she can only see that selfish aspect of it at the moment. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have been great if the episode directly referenced that alternative, that alternative reality where 
Buffy wasn't there where like all these people had died. You remember right. that? Yeah. Like it'd be great if that was like the the reason, like that would be a great reason for them to like admit they brought her back out of, out of their own fear. Like we're saying selfishness and we're not, but I'm not sure they were actually bringing them, bringing her back out of like primal fear of them dying. To them, it was just sort of selfishness to make the world the way it once was for them. Right. I would be more interested if they brought them, brought her back due to fear. Um, and I guess the whole Spike, I actually really like Spike in this episode. And I'm trying to understand why. It, it's sort of like Buffy had a great relationship with her friends and then they totally betrayed her. And I was like, well, maybe Spike, Buffy's, you know, Spike's already burned that bridge. Like Spike, Spike kidnapped Buffy like 10 episodes, 12 episodes ago and tied her up in his basement. And I'm like, if that episode didn't happen, I would be like, well, Spike did try to kill her a bunch of times, but he's been good for like two seasons. And then, you know, you can say, well, they had a horrible relationship, but now they mended it. And now their relationship is normal, is good. And then the Buffy gang is bad. And that's why she can be with him. If only that episode where he kidnapped her didn't exist. (laughs) You you can say someone has like a really, um, you know, effed up relationship. Yes, but usually can't say that of someone who got kidnapped. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, like if that episode didn't happen, I would say, well, he's been normal or good for her for two seasons. Uh, he also friends. broke into the house and like stole her clothes. That's what I'm saying. Like, it works. Like their relationship works because her friends are so on the rocks. Right. Like, you know, if she had a great relationship with her friends, then you'd be like, well, why is she hanging out with this guy? But truth is, Buffy doesn't have any good relationships right now. So like, yeah, but she she's so beyond that now, right? I mean, that's I think the show yes. has really done a good job with that, like showing the transition to being born, yep. like basically reborn, and how like she the the things that were her concerns are no longer her concerns so like she whatever spike did in the past to kidnap her he didn't end up killing her she you know she 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 chose to die right like this this situation's so different now and it's hard to for me to articulate how different it is because uh I, i'm curious what the show is going to do with it but like the slate has been wiped clean completely clean with the way that they uh, they pulled this off with her resurrection. So, like, even though Spike kidnapped her, it's not like the way Giles like did the the test uh, on the you know on the Slayers, right? Where he completely betrayed Buffy and then went on being her watcher afterwards. Like, oh, the Watcher Council's a bunch of bullies, you know, whatever the case that Giles came up with. Like, yeah, Spike totally kidnapped her and then told her like he better she better tell him that he she loves him or else he'll he'll kill her, right? I mean. That's that's the insanity of that scenario. But yeah, it I, is it is odd. But I think like they got away with it. Spike makes sense now. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I I think Spike is as a character has changed a lot since Buffy died because there's this whole thing of right. he spent the whole the whole summer like imagining saving her, and he spent the whole summer protecting Dawn and everything, and like his motives have really changed. Just like since last season so i mean it's it's not saying his last his previous actions don't count but they're like well he's he's growing yeah it's growing since the abduction but you know it does it does set a really really dangerous precedent like if if you're if you're you know wiping the slate clean and now your perspective is oh i was in heaven then my best friends pulled me out of that into this hell then it's like Yes, other things that have happened to me are not as a big a deal. Like, yes, that, that, that's a super dangerous precedent of, yeah, this guy, he adopted me. 
I don't think he... I don't think Buffy's like saying like she forgives Spike of everything that he's like done wrong. Like no, no, yeah, it's like, his perspective. He, she's it's, more. Like... I think it's more she just needs to tell this truth to someone. Right. Yeah. And like, so she has to lie to the gang because that's what they need to hear is that they right. did the right thing. Exactly. And like, so she's doing that for her friends for their own like, so they can feel you know at ease with themselves. It's like if Giles was still here, would she tell Giles maybe instead of Spike? It's like she tells Spike because like that's literally f- the first person she sees after like. Yeah, know. and because Spike is the same as being alone, right? Right. Well, maybe she can see now that some people do things that are bad that they think are good. I mean, maybe that's also playing a part where she's now seeing, yeah, you know, no one is, you know, all good or all bad. And, good good and, motivations can lead you to do bad things, and bad motivations can lead you to do good things. Yeah, yeah. she's living in the she, gray. She, yeah, but she never was a gray person. That's that that's that's my frustration. Is that like she's just seeing other people that way? But but she was never someone who she always put other people first, which is it, which is fine. I will stop ranting about this. But I think her and Spike make sense now, and I'm just trying to understand why. But but Spike is still like such a loose cannon as far as like his dating life because all it would take is Drusilla or Harmony to come back in town and it could totally disrupt the thing with Buffy even if they get together like he's he's such a mess emotionally that like yeah he's great right now because you're the only person in his in his solo point of view but like it's so easy for anything to get to mess with him. He's such a, loose a mess. cannon so, would rock the boat. So even though he's got, you know, this opportunity to be with Buffy and the show is making it make sense, because this show is not hasn't been an arc show, it's more of a new writer monster of the week show, like another writer would come in and ruin this arc that's being created and or change the way that this character feels to us so quickly, which is what we experienced of course in the previous season or seasons. Though Dennis said the arc is over, I think last episode or whatever. I You're said like, the episode of the week is o- the monster of the week is over. It's all arc now, right? So <laughs> then it sounds like they will be more consistent with this character, but you know that remains to be seen. And uh, uh, one thing we haven't mentioned is this is the first season also uh, where Marty Noxon is now mm. like the showrunner instead of That's Joss right. Whedon. Uh, Whedon is off creating Firefly right now, um, so you know look for differences with that also. Uh, I forgot to we forgot to talk about that kind of thing. Uh, uh, are we guys, are we themed? <laughs> I think we're themed. themed. All right, let's move on to uh, recommendations. Recommendations. Since this is kind of a ghost episode, uh, I was trying to think of ghost movies where it's unclear where it's unclear whether the ghost is real or not um and oh and then i said uh the 1944 the uninvited which is the opposite of that it's one of the most clear the ghost is real movies you can get um <laughs> but that's I, I i put that in because it's um uh a good early like 1940s ghost movie um i've recommended a few before and i just thought um i should continue to recommend some of the older ones uh, but then a newer one um, that I liked from maybe like, when did Lake Mungo come out? Like 2008 or something? Um, this one was kind of a, a sleeper hit. Uh, it was like, you know, it didn't get a full re- real release, but it's um, a really enjoyable uh, Australian ghost movie. Um, part of why it's enjoyable and the reason I thought about it is 
there's a lot of um, faking. There's a lot of uh, ghost photographs and faking ghost photographs in the movie, which reminded me of the image, the imagery in the movie where Buffy is looking at her own photos and sees skulls. Oh yeah. So, um, like the sister, this uh, girl dies, and then like she starts showing up in video and photos, and um, it's a faux doc. The movie is a faux documentary, and there's a like kind of a halfway point twist where it turns out the brother is faking it all. Um, but then keep watching because something else weirder happens. Um, and the photos keep getting like more and more unsettling as the show as the movie goes on. Um, and then I was also thinking, uh, you know what I haven't recommended? Vertigo, which is also a kind of fake ghost movie um, slash maybe it's a possession. Um, Alfred Hitchcock. I don't really need to describe the full movie to you guys hopefully you've seen it but if you haven't i mean you should see it it's a very good movie it's got beautiful colors said san francisco jimmy stewart uh all right um (laughs) this is not a real recommendation but because i haven't seen it but the movie looks terrible but i was like what if that that like terrible looking christian movie heaven is for real what if when the kid came back he was like incredibly depressed that he wasn't still in heaven (laughs) oh god (laughs) Only you would interpret that. <laughs> um, I also was reminded of uh, there's a great uh, Popeye story where because uh, the one the one thing Popeye is afraid of is ghosts and spirits. So there's a story where this ghost is uh, haunting the um, ship he's on, and he tries they it tries to fight him, and the ghost keeps punching him, and he doesn't punch back because he's like you can't punch ghosts, but it's punching him. Um, turns out the ghost is his dad, Poop Deck, Poop Deck Pappy. It's the introduction of him. Very excellent arc. <laughs> uh, I also have a comic book related uh, recommendation. Um, there's a Doctor Strange comic run. It's about 18 issues by writer Jason Aaron, and the main artist is Chris Pachalo. But like, kind of the main theme of that take on Doctor Strange is that there's a cost for doing magic, and like you have to pay the price of like you know, saving the world and whatever with, with magic. And, um, he, in that comic, Dr. Strange actually creates a monster to like eat his pain that he like endures because of, uh, doing magic. And then that monster kind of becomes a greater problem as it wants more pain and fear and things to feed on. So. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go into predictions now. Virgin Predictions. At the present moment, uh, you are at a 61.41% overall. Um, And so far, just a couple of episodes into season six, your average for season six is a 70%, making it your, uh, at the moment, your second best season ever. Um, But... uh, could just take a couple predictions to knock it uh, up into first place or down into third, so we'll see. In Season 4, Episode 8, Michael, you predicted that there will be no vampires killed by direct sunlight unless it is by a trap. Uh, we can't confirm or deny this one, but the, this episode would seem to support that prediction that apparently <laughs> vampires are becoming more and more immune to sunlight as this show goes on. Um, I just, like, if a vampire dies from sunlight now, it's going to feel really ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, uh, 
Uh, zooming forward to the very start of this season, uh, Michael, you predicted that there are no consequences in season six to the arsoning of downtown Sunnydale by the biker gang in episodes one and two. So I feel like at the beginning of this ep- of episode three, Sunnydale's still on fire. That's kind <laughs> of consequences. I okay. think though that that coffee shop being back open already. Yeah, it does suggest that uh, maybe there's not Sunnydale's bounce back. It's yeah. a resilient community. Clearly, clearly, yeah. Very resilient or at least prone to denial. Um, so what do you think? Were there consequences being that the, the it was still on fire? Spike still has the motorcycle. That's a kind of consequence. <laughs> You're really tracking this motorcycle. <laughs> There were no consequences. Okay, so... Uh, the, the motorcycle's not a consequence. It's yeah. a free gift with purchase. That's yes, right. yes. Okay, so it sounds like line. I'm voting to deny this one, but everybody else is voting to confirm it. Yeah, I'm correct. Confirm. Yeah, of course. Okay, so we'll go ahead and confirm that one then. I'm on uh, Travis's side. Let that be noticed. Yeah. <laughs> For the record. Okay. Uh, this one is a super prediction, Michael. So... Uh, you predicted uh, at the beginning of this season that Buffy is pissed about being brought back to life. I'm not so sure that we know if she's pissed from this episode, but maybe we can make the argument. What do you think? <laughs> she's pretty what? upset. Yes, okay. she's definitely upset. She's, she seems more melancholy than pissed, but okay. I guess You're we'll... so devil's advocate. Of... <laughs> oh my God. John, I guess that one's confirmed. on? Okay, and then this one's a little bit more cut and dry. Last episode, Michael, you predicted that Giles returns in the next episode, season six, episode three. Giles has not returned, so that is denied. So that is one. It'll just be a few days. (laughs) One regular confirmation, one super confirmation, and one denial. Uh, So, Michael, that brings your uh, overall accuracy to 61.88 and your accuracy for season six has dropped from 70% to 69.23. Very dramatic. Yeah, it's a little bit dramatic. I thought with the super, it would change that in a more positive way, but apparently not. It's just math. Okay. I hate this. <laughs> no, this is John's math. This is a special kind of math. I thought Mike made a super prediction that Buffy was in hell. I went through and I searched the entire yeah. sheet for no. any mention of hell or heaven. Uh, okay. The only mention of heaven is that the mayor will ascend to heaven. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never that mind. one was denied uh, back in season three. I'll look to myself. I'll look. Don't worry. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue to make more predictions because that's the absurd premise of this show. So <laughs> I think uh, there will be more negative consequences for Buffy's resurrection. If that isn't a prediction already, like clearly there's going to be more negative ramifications for this since we're in the arc and uh like there's there's some lies within the gang and this show loves lies uh second prediction the monster they brought back from resurrecting buffy isn't dead i know that buffy killed it like that possessed thing there's it's not dead i don't believe it someone will go on a date with fondue I don't believe there's been fondue on the show. But will a fire start then? <laughs> uh, someone will, you know, like, they will They're eat They're not going fondue. to invite John over for fondue. <laughs> Let me change that. They will eat fondue on the show. Eat fondue. Someone will eat fondue on Buffy. That's very Even though it's more, strange prediction. 
It more like that's more based on... on just the conversation than like we were having the show. It's more likely to happen on Angel, but I'm gonna predict it on Buffy. And uh, we do count both both uh, shows for predictions. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll say yeah. Buffy or Angel. Uh, Buffy will stay the night in Spike's crypt in season six. Mm. She's gonna stay the night. Giles, okay, I just added this because Giles will return in season six, episode four. I'm going to double down. He's going to be back in the next episode. <laughs> they kept him out. I thought he'd be back now, but I realized now they had to, Buffy had to tell the lie, like, lie to the gang without Giles knowing. And then Giles can put it together and, like, fuck up everything for everybody. But Giles will be coming back. And now this feels like a game of, like, not Secret Hitler, but one of these bluffing games where it's like, everyone has to leave the room. Okay, I'm going to tell a lie to one person. They'll know everything. And then, okay, everybody can come back now. So Giles can return now that there's been a lie told that he wasn't privy to at all. So now we can, Giles will be back next episode. Super prediction. Scooby gang discovers in season six that Buffy preferred being dead. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's this season. I know Giles is going to help figure it out for everybody since he's the odd man out who has, has the knowledge of what the world was like before. <laughs> so... I don't know, sometime this season. This is a big arc problem, so like it could happen at any point. But I think, and this is just the total stream of consciousness thing. This is not a prediction, but when this happens, this is when the gang has to turn against Willow, and we're going to get an awesome Willow confrontation. I'm so excited about it. But the prediction is just that the Scooby gang discovers in season six that Buffy preferred being dead. But then when they discover it, bam, they got to take on Willow. Love it. That's all. Very good. All right, this has been awesome. Uh, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, you can check out my minis on my website, which is DennisComics.com. <laughs> uh, and I'm also sometimes on the podcast, uh, the Nevers podcast, about an upcoming Joss Whedon show. Uh, <laughs> David Yoder, what are you up to? And where can uh, people find your stuff? Not up to much. Vacationing right now with my friend Dennis St. John. And uh, I'm on the Twitter with the username Awesome Yoder. And I post things on Instagram sometimes. Uh, Dade Jayo. D A D E J A Y O. Uh, it's a secret puzzle. <laughs> Daddy Joe. Yeah. That sounds like a magic word for a spell. Dade Jawo. Dade Jawo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Caribbean sounding uh, so I want to thank uh, the listeners uh, for doing your listening and for talking to us at Buffy Virgin uh, don't forget to rate us and uh, we hope that you're subscribing uh, you can watch us on YouTube our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod and our Instagram is Buffy Virgin uh, for Buffy Monster Drawings uh, you can also check out BuffyVirgin.com uh, reach out, we love to hear from you and we'll see you in hell which is right here. <laughs> <laughs> We're in it. 